I'm your host, Serena Brando, and this month, February 2021, we take a deep dive into the topic of the five domains model. And today I'm delighted to welcome Joanne Thomas, who is the animal care manager at the Wellington Zoo Trust in New Zealand. Welcome, Joanne. Hey, Sabrina, how are you going? I'm well, excited to have you on the podcast. It's been Many years we have spoken uh, and seen each other, of course, uh, at the zoo and still have such fond memories of all the happy animals and all the wonderful work you're doing. So really excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Really excited um, on a personal level and also for Wellington Zoo to be here with you, Sabrina, to be able to share our journey over in New Zealand with you all. Yes, wonderful. So perhaps uh, could you start with a short introduction to yourself and uh, perhaps how you came to study animal care and welfare? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, it starts back to my childhood as it often does for people, right? Um, I was lucky enough to grow up in Bristol in the United Kingdom and an amazing family, amazing parents that, um, brought us up to respect nature um we were a very outdoorsy family we spent weekends hiking and we were brought up to care for wildlife care for nature and that included lots of pets as a child and one of my favorite hangouts as a little girl was bristol zoo um going to visit the animals there and i've just always had a natural pull to nature um not just animals but nature itself it's my go-to place um when i want a bit of serenity and yeah and from that as i grew older i i knew i wanted to work with animals but was never really sure in what way and once i left school i studied animal care uh general animal care um and then i actually went into agriculture um, I worked mainly in organic and community farming. So this was um, farms that were often in cities and they were often put in areas that were deprived in cities in Bristol or people with low income. Um, and it would give people a hub to go to, to share, to work together. Um, and it worked like a proper working farm and I also worked on big farms as well large farms in the countryside and I always I always loved the animals I worked with and wanted to always know that they were having the best care and what were they experiencing in life was what we were giving them allowing them to experience the best life that they could have and as I went on in that career, I realized I was getting pulled and pulled more towards conservation. And my childhood 
memories of zoos and what zoos stood for and what zoos were going in in what direction at that time as I was in my early adulthood and I I, I just made a sudden change. I want to go and work in zoos. And I was lucky enough to get a job at Edinburgh Zoo in Scotland. I was there for a very long time. And that's that's how I began to study animal care and my, my love and passion, as well as helping people and being part of a journey to share with others to have the message of how we need to help the planet I also my big passion in love is animal welfare and not just the care of a species but what what is the welfare what is going on for an individual animal within that species and that's my real passion wonderful can you talk a little bit about you know where you studied or how you studied and also there's often you know people wanting to get into this career maybe you have some nuggets of wisdom for them on you know how they could achieve where you know you are now yeah i i at the age well i left school at 16 after doing my final exams and i just made a decision that animal work was definitely what I wanted to go into and at first I just did a lot of volunteering and that was on community farms I also volunteered for a while at Bristol Zoo just to build that just to build that experience that I was need I was I was never a large academic I, I like to study and I study well um, but I knew I didn't want to head in the academic way because it wasn't for me I was I'm a very practical person um, and so I just built that kind of CV for myself in a way by just offering my time to get that experience with animals to build a foundation. And then as I did that, I also applied to colleges, um, a college called Norton Radstock, um, which is just outside Bristol near Bath, um, which is where I studied animal care. And then I went on to study agriculture. So it, it was kind of quite an organic journey and I would trust my instinct on what felt right to go, where to go and get the experience. And I was just incredibly lucky as well, very early in my career to have some really amazing mentors as well to pass on their knowledge. And I'm, I'll always be really grateful for that. And I think the key, not for me just even back then, but still even now is always be open and prepared to learn, you know, because no matter, you know, at that point in my career, I was very early on and now I've been in animal work for 32 years and I still, either through the animals, through my amazing team or going to other zoos, you're still always learning. There's always stuff that you've never come across before and that's what I love about our job. Wonderful, yes, there's always so much to learn. We're like forever students, right? <laughs> and totally. Yeah, and I'm really glad, uh, and of course we do, as animal care people, we always mention the animals because like you mentioned earlier already, you know, there's so much to learn about species, but then, you know, all the individuals and you you talked about, you know, their experiences and every individual's different. So to learn from the animals, um, I really love that. Can you talk a little bit about 
we know what species you worked with or which environments we heard already some you know working in zoo and also uh, farm but i know you have a lot of different experiences i do yeah i like i said i very young in my career i just put myself out there in a lot um but agriculture and zoos are probably the biggest areas i've worked in but working in those areas opened other opportunities as well so I've worked I did actually work in a pet shop for a year which I was really grateful for um, because I, it allowed me to work with domestic animals so cats dogs mainly birds in the pet shop um, but also aquatics reptiles invertebrates um, and that was very early on in my career as well and when I went into zoo work, I was lucky enough as a trainee keeper to have the opportunity to train on all taxa sections, um, which I'm so grateful for, because it just gave me, again, a really amazing foundation in zookeeping. Um, and from that, I specialised in primates and then specialised in great apes and then specialised in chimpanzees for a very long time. And then that itself led me to incredible opportunities where I worked um, in an ape rescue centre in the UK, um, where they rescue primates from the pet trade, entertainment, ex-laboratory animals as some examples, and chimpanzees were some of the primates that they rescued and rehabilitated. And their work was amazing. This was uh, Monkey World in Dorset in the UK. And my memories of that place are so fond because they've got an incredibly dedicated team that face sometimes a hard job, but such a rewarding job with what they accomplish with those animals. Um, and then on top of that, my chimpanzee work also took me to Uganda for a few months um, where I was really lucky enough to be part of a large mammal census of the Bodongo forest. This was while I was working at Edinburgh Zoo. Um, because the Bodongo Conservation Field Station were one of our conservation partners at Edinburgh Zoo. Um, and that allowed me to go out into the forest and see the species that I'd worked with for so long in zoos, in the wild. And one of the most amazing moments I'll always remember, which was really positive for me from the aspect of chimpanzees and human care, was watching those chimps in the wild and their politics and their communities and their dynamics. And, you know, we know chimpanzees can be incredibly volatile, but they can also be incredibly caring and very community focused. Um, I remember one of the fondest memories for me was watching a small group from a community and just having this epiphany moment of realizing that the chimpanzees that I worked with in human care were showing the same behaviors, the same politics, the same dynamics as those chimps in the world. And that was such a wonderful moment for me that really solidified what amazing work zoos do with their animals' welfare. Yes, wonderful. These, these stories are so important. And you point to some of the other discussions that we've had on podcasts and in webinars, the importance of going out and, and seeing and learning as much as possible of how, you know, the animals live in the wild and what can we learn from that? What can we take 
from deaths to caring for them in human care. Um, so yeah, these are just wonderful stories, and and also the evolution that you went through from you know working in on farms and zoos, but also pet shops. All these so important, um, you know, to move ahead. And as you also say, sometimes it's very organic, and for some of us, it will be a lot of hard work. Uh, it is always, of course, a lot of hard work, uh, but it's not always easy because so many people would like to have these experiences, but to really keep going at it, and obviously you have for 32 years, so that's really uh, extraordinary, of course. And can you talk a little bit about how you actually came to, from the UK, how did you you know, via Uganda and everywhere else you've been in the world, how did you end up at the Wellington Zoo Trust and, and yeah. then move into the position of animal care manager? Yeah, sure. I mean, part of it's a personal story, really. Uh, my husband and I um, decided we wanted to come to New Zealand. Um, we love New Zealand. We, New Zealand, Aotearoa, um, is a country that really lives and walks the walk, talks the talk of we are not separate from nature, we are part of nature. And it's one of the things that attracted us, as well as its immense beauty. New Zealand is an incredibly beautiful country. Um, it's got a real sense of community, New Zealand, no matter where you go in New Zealand, you're always welcomed with open arms. Everybody's so friendly. And you, even if you're traveling somewhere else for a weekend away, you feel like you're still back in the community where you live because everybody's so friendly. And these combinations of different aspects of New Zealand is what attracted us here. Um, and we came here, I applied for a zookeeper job at Wellington Zoo, which I was very lucky to get the opportunity to take. Um, and I was at the zoo for two years um, and then I was promoted to animal care manager, um, which I now manage a team of 33 keepers um, and oversee the Nest to Gohunga team, uh, which is our vet hospital in the zoo as well. And it's an incredible zoo that, you know, they, one of our values is punch above our weight and everybody in that zoo really does that every single day um not just the bigger picture of the zoo's strategy and values but the intricate moments and details that go on day to day in wellington zoo from every single staff member just blows my mind every day with their passion and their commitment to animal welfare and conservation and community driven focus as well to share what we're about. Wonderful, thank you. Can you talk a little bit about, because I've been at the zoo, I've seen the amazing work you've done and that's already some years ago. So I'm sure you've just kept going, like you say, punching above your weight. I love that. It's such a great, um, you know, active, uh, embodiment of, of what are your values. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the philosophy of animal care and welfare at the zoo? And perhaps also maybe, you know, the importance of this strategy in the operational plans when it comes to having an animal welfare program, because there are still, of course, many zoos, aquariums, but also sanctuaries and 
other facilities who don't necessarily have programs like that in place. So it's always so nice to hear, you know, some of the do's and don'ts or, you know, what are some of the key aspects that you're focusing on? Yeah, sure. I mean, animal welfare is such a huge, dynamic, organic aspect of our job. And at Wellington Zoo, our kopapa, which is our philosophy, is mitiaki kiora, um, which means we must look after our environment so all things will flourish. And I really love this philosophy because it embodies everything that the zoo is about. You know, it's a really holistic approach because we have to look after everything. And part of that environment is the animals. The environment is the actual environment that the animals need to live in. And that that could be the environment within the zoo for each individual animal, but it can also be the environment out in the world in situ. Um, but also part of that knitted picture of the animals and the environment is the community as well as I touched on earlier you know in New Zealand there's always this feeling that you are you are a part of nature still and each one of those aspects has to rely and have a relationship with the other for all of us to flourish and that's such an important message today with some of the things we're facing globally with areas like climate change is that it's actually what one of us does, whether that's the environment, animals or human community has an impact on the other. So if we look after everything, the environment, which includes the animals and the people, that will let everything flourish. And for me as well, that also fits in beautifully with animal welfare and especially when you start talking about the five domains model because when you look at an animal's welfare you are you are trying to understand you are trying to get an idea of what is going on in that animal's life how is it experiencing life what if you were to look through that animal's eyes what is it what is it experienced every day in its environment and that's where the five domains I think fits so beautifully into our Kopapa philosophy at Wellington Zoo because the five domains breaks that up into the four physical domains of nutrition, health, behavior, excuse me, <clears throat> and environment for us to then understand what's going on in the mental domain or the affective state for the animal. Um, what is it experienced with its feelings, its senses, is senses from the physical domains, therefore giving us an idea of what, what state is that animal's welfare in? And it's just again a really beautiful, you know, holistic approach to care, to let not just a species thrive, but an individual within that species thrive as well. Yes, can you, I'm glad you're bringing up the five domain model because of course this month is all about, you know, understanding the five domain models and of course also how can it be used. Um, so do you have some examples on how you use it at the zoo or in what ways, you know, did you assess or 
so that you got insight into what the individual experiences were. Do you have some sort of uh, process for that? If you could talk us through that. Yeah, sure. So we're we're involved in the um, so by our local sorry not our local our regional um, zoo association ZAR. Um, we are welfare accredited by ZAR using the five domains model. So every three years, we go through an accreditation with ZAR and we we do a welfare assessment, a very, very complex, intricate welfare assessment on all our animals, um, looking at the different areas of the physical domains and the affective state to get a, to get a really good understanding of what's going on for that animal, which then allows us as their keepers, as their carers to implement change for them if it's required, you know, and I think that's the beauty of welfare, not just for a species, but for an individual is what that animal experiences one day could be completely different to the next. And that's why I think we've got to in, in not just zoos, but in any profession where we're caring for animals and that animal is dependent on our care, ensuring that they have positive welfare, that we constantly evaluate what we're doing so we can change, we can upgrade, we can give best practice, we can give best welfare. And um, we at Zoo, so we have this accreditation every three years, but we also use that on a day-to-day -day basis. Our keepers use the five domains intricately in their day-to-day -day work within the zoo. I've got an incredible team that are just constantly looking at and monitoring and observing their animals. And like I said, not just the species, the individual and the animals and implementing change sometimes on small scale. And it, and that doesn't mean it's futile. It's just as important as like changing a habitat, but shifting enrichment accordingly, shifting maybe animal training accordingly for that animal shifting maybe our practices with that animal or our management of the animal because it needs to change because what we're seeing from that animal is telling us that we need to change something in that animal's welfare so the day-to-day -day care of the five domains is implemented we also use it I think you can always use the five domains as well in your long-term planning on the bigger scale for a zoo as well. You know, when you're considering a species, maybe a new species coming into the zoo, you know, on a strategic level, you know, when you look at the five domains model before you even get to the stage of saying, yes, we need, we not need, but we want to have the species in the zoo. Is it a suitable species for us to hold? Is the climate suitable? If it's not, can we provide the correct climate on an environmental level? Do we have everything we need to make sure that animal's welfare is positive? So the five domains tool to me can be used from a high strategic level down to the daily operations. And I think it's really important that those two aspects of a zoo work cohesively so if the strategic planning is using the five domains to plan the way that we run the zoo as a business how we care for our animals the operations implement that welfare 
So, you know, we, we always say at Wellington Zoo, care for your animals and animal welfare are two separate things, but it's the care that we give our animals that ensure we provide positive welfare. Yes, I'm very glad that you're mentioning the use of the five domains also for in strategy. So obviously, you know, as you say, care and welfare, two different things. You know, we want to look at and how you have been shifting with your team, depending on what you're seeing the animals experience. And so, but also just using it as a concept indeed of this hypothetical, you know, going through the questions and the motions that are related to this domain and seeing, okay, like you say, is this the right climate? Is this, can we, you know, what are the experiences to be expected from a species like through, because of course the five domain model is heavily research based in the sense of what do we know of a particular species? What type of experiences um, and states can to be expected? But to go through that is, is really great. Uh, it's not often I hear that. So I think it's so good, like you say, you have the ZA uh, accreditation every three years. We had Nicholas de Graaf uh, actually from ZA on the podcast, the first podcast in this month. And he talked to us all about that. And then, like you say, you doing the day-to-day -day, um, assessing, you know, monitoring the animals. So really holistic uh, approach. And I remember from being at the zoo, you know, all the different activities that you have uh, for the animals and <laughs> these beautiful blocks. Um, I don't know if you still have them, but they talked about they had like happy animals and, and wonderful other statements on it. But what really also sprang out for me was you know, the community and visitor engagement. So perhaps could you give us some examples of, you know, the zoo, happy animals at the zoo and communications and education with the visitors? Totally. You know, when, when visitors come into the zoo, you know, we want them to have an amazing time, but we also want them to take a memory away with them that they're going to treasure you know we want we want them to come and engage with our animals we want them to come engage with our staff as well because the staff are the people that have the stories of the animals you know and that's what builds connection for people and when people feel connection they build love for something and when they build love for something they get passionate about something so visitors you always want them to walk away with a message a story and also an understanding of what we do in a zoo for animals every day within the zoo but also on the bigger scale of conservation outside the zoo as well and as you mentioned Sabrina we've got our happy animal interpretation around the zoo which is an awesome awesome project so we've got this at our monkey islands we've also got it at our chimpanzee habitat also our giraffe house now and the idea is to really share that five domain model with our visitors in a way that they can relate it to themselves as well you know we we hear comments around it you know you'll hear people around the chimpanzee area talking about you know because we'll have a bit say of we have an area about nutrition and you hear children talking about with their parents 
oh, do I eat healthy food? Because we, you know, we provide also our chimpanzee talk and engagement in that way. So we, we do our keeper talks as well, which gives that personal touch um, to the visitors as well, to engage, to connect. Um, and we also run our animal encounters. So our animal close encounter program is run for us to bring awareness um, around conservation that's going on around the world. And it also allows us to tell the story of our conservation partners, um, which are both national in New Zealand and global. Um, and it also allows to tell the story of those individual animals, those people are meeting. Um, but it also allows us to tell the story of what's going on for those animals, wild cousins in the world. So it all it's all really, really interconnected. Um, and all our animal close encounters are animal choice as well. Um, none of our animals are made to do anything that they don't want to do. It's their choice to come and interact. If they don't, that's absolutely fine too, because it's about making it a natural, again, organic, the word of the evening, um, experience for both the animal and the visitor, because the visitors really get a lot from that. And it's just those special little moments that they experience by watching an animal or being on one of the close encounters and then these happy animal interpretations really provide our visitors with an understanding of just how much we care to ensure that our animals welfare is always at the very very best state it can be that's just lovely, uh, you know, the story of like, am I eating healthy food? I mean, it's so it's such a beautiful way to connect and uh, and you know, like you say, to talk to them about the animal stories and also the science and the best practices that you bring and and you know this keyword of course of the choices for animals. So people, you know, not only becoming aware of course how much you care, but that's being shown when you know you maybe one day the animal doesn't really want to interact or they're like oh i'm doing this over here and people get to watch that and to learn that it's okay that the, these are their choices that they make and there's just so many messages in that and i think that's just wonderful and i know you have a lot of you you talked about you know your various conservation that is either local or abroad and you have an amazing vet hospital where you do also a lot of work that is around rehabilitation so could you give us some examples uh, on on conservation and and all the wonderful work you're doing in this domain oh 100 you know again it's such a big part of a zoo um and what we're about and we're really really lucky at wellington zoo to be involved with, as I said, conservation partners internationally um, and also locally here in New Zealand. And the wonderful thing at Wellington Zoo is, Wellington Zoo is very, very good at ensuring its staff get the opportunity themselves to engage in that conservation, to be a part of that story, to be part of the process of bringing the wild to the zoo. So um, the zoo has a conservation fund that staff can apply to for to go and work with conservation partners, but we also get um, allocated conservation leave every year as well. Um, so we can use that 
to go and work with these partners and a project that's really really close to home literally here in Wellington which we're so very very proud of is a collaboration project with the Department of Conservation here in New Zealand on an island called Machu Soms which is an island just off Wellington Harbour and this heart island has become a haven for native species that have become threatened on mainland New Zealand so they, they use this island and there's many other islands around New Zealand that are the same where they will put these threatened species to help thrive to ensure we have insurance population and back in 2016 we started a collaboration project with the Department of Conservation to go out and do monitoring um, of matrisomes of the Wellington Green Gecko, which is a gecko endemic to this area, as the name states, and the Neheri Gecko um, out on matrisomes as well. And we have been doing this project since 2016 and it is thriving. It's been an amazing project and it allows our staff to really get into the nitty gritty of conservation in the field. And, you know, here in New Zealand, our animals are birds and reptiles. Um, we've obviously got marine life as well, but the majority of endemic is reptiles and birds. And so it allows the staff to really deliver in situ conservation, hands-on in situ conservation, but then to bring those stories back to the zoo because they've lived it, they've experienced it, and it and it just builds their passion, which is amazing. And there's also the combination with that, that at Wellington Zoo itself, we're telling the story of wanting to bring Wellington Green Geckos back. You know, it, it would be amazing to see these little guys everywhere because they're an incredible species. And so we're very conscious of ensuring that our conservation work links with what we do at the zoo because that in itself, as I said, it's all about everything being woven together, allows us to bring the community in it to it as well for them to get passionate about something they feel they can do locally. Yes, absolutely. I think and these stories are so important uh, as much as it's important to work you know, on species and in other habitats away from us. It's so important to work so close to us, whether it's urban wildlife and their welfare, and of course the, the species that inhabit, you know, a country or an area. So, and it's nice that you're also working, you know, everywhere and as well as very close to home. So that's just really wonderful. And bringing those stories uh, back to, and the, like you say, everything being woven together everything is connected and you know how you make it shine through how important animal the experience of the animal is and, and that being at the base right it's an end in itself um, and yeah I think that is really embodied in so many of the things that you're doing at the zoo and you know as we're coming to almost the end of the podcast we always love you know success stories or lovely individual stories of animals uh, of, of your outreach program. Can you uh, share a few stories with us in conclusion of the podcast? 
Yeah, I I've I've been thinking about this and I I would actually really like to share um a story about one of our animals actually at the zoo, um, which was one of our tigers. And I share this story because I think he's a really good example of where you have to adapt and change for an individual, regardless of their species. And the story is that um, we had a tiger come to us um, and our management style at Wellington Zoo was very different to what he was used to. And I, this isn't, I'm not saying this as a criticism or a reflection on any zoos. Every zoo is different in the way that they manage their animals and that's completely their choice. But what it highlighted to us, this story, is when an animal is moving from one zoo to another, we really need to think about how we have to transition that animal. If the management of that animal is going to change dramatically because, as I said earlier, animal welfare and animal care are two very different things, but it's the care that we provide and making sure we get that right to ensure that the animal's welfare is positive. And because this tiger's um, management style changed so dramatically, um, when he first arrived at Wellington Zoo, he, he didn't cope. It, it was such a massive change for him. And we as his carers, as his keepers, we were quite worried about him. So we, we observed him. We watched what would be triggers for him, what we thought perceived or we were perceiving through his behavior, what triggers were for him that were creating negative associations or for him to go into fight or flight response and this journey with this tiger went on for months and months and months and what we saw is we saw this tiger transform from this shy secretive didn't really want to engage with this environment at first to this very confident, for want of a better word, happy tiger. He he really transitioned and it was it was down to the love and care of his keepers and their vigorous observations of this tiger and seeing that this transition wasn't easy for him and making that as easy as possible for him and removing triggers and then and the triggers weren't necessarily negative things. It was just like environmental overload for him. There was too many changes all at once. And so we would remove some of those changes and then reintroduce them at a later stage as he was becoming more confident. And it took us a long time, but the the end, the end of it was we had this amazing, incredibly confident positive tiger and that's he's a real example of yes we know we know Sumatran tigers we know lions act this way and they act that way but when you take an animal out of what it's used to and put it into a, an environment that it's not used to everything's going to change on what it's experiencing very rapidly and you've got to be ready as their carers to provide everything you can 
to ensure that transition is easy for that animal so they come out in a positive state at the end. And his story is one that I treasure in a very positive way because he's a really good example of if you take each and every moment and observe every single aspect of that animal's life and be prepared to change, be prepared to learn, be prepared to go, okay, that didn't work, so what are we going to try now? And never give up, never give up on an animal because they're amazing, they have incredible resilience, and if you're prepared to meet them halfway by giving them that support to shine, then you can often accomplish anything. And I think that's the most wonderful part of our, one of the most wonderful parts of being a zookeeper is when you see animals almost transform through their welfare. Um, and that story will probably stay with me for the rest of my life because the, the credit has to go to the tiger, um, but it also has to go to the team of people that were looking after him to ensure that he had everything he needed to make that transition. Beautiful. That is such a powerful story. And like you say, you know, the, the animals have so much, you know, flexibility and resilience, but we have to be prepared to be attuned, to listen, to support, to want to change. And I, I think it's beautiful you're saying this, you know, to never, to never give up, to keep trying and looking and doing, you know, really everything in our power to, whether it's a transition or anything else, to really, you know, do the best we can for those animals. And it's really a test to an incredible team that you're working in. And, um, you know, I, I haven't worked with animals directly with animals for many years now, and I miss it greatly. So these stories make my heart sing. It makes me feel connected to a job that I really love, uh, which is caring for animals. So, and I'm so glad that you're doing all this together with your team at the zoo all this incredible work starting from you know like you say a childhood experience and you know with your parents your family the respect and care for nature and that really you know has been such a thread to throughout this podcast about communities and us being part of nature and you know of course this whole interconnectedness to being woven together animal welfare, well-being, human well-being, you know, the, the visitors at the zoo, as well as you and the team caring for the animals because you invest so much effort and time. You know, I really enjoyed hearing about the five domains and using strategy as well as in day-to-day -day practices and the importance of the stories, the stories that the staff have because they know the animals so well and animals as teachers so that you know we can all uh, flourish I, I really really enjoyed it and thank you so much Joanne for coming onto the podcast today we're always of course making sure that we'll link to you know any of the the zoo of course or any research projects or conservation projects it was really a delight thank you so much oh thank you Sabrina it's been it's been a joy to be able to talk today about something that's such a passion and it's not just for me you know and not just my team at Wellington Zoo every zookeeper in the world gets into this job 
because of a love for animals and a care for the environment and the care that we give our animals every day is at the heart of every zookeeper and you know credit to every single person that does this job for not just as their career but as their passion because it is definitely a job of passion and that shines through when you see animals in positive welfare so thank you so much Sabrina for the opportunity to talk about Wellington Zoo um, here in New Zealand and we hope in the not too distant future we'll be able to see people in person again in Wellington from far away. Absolutely yes and let's make this uh, you know a commitment that we will at some point <laughs> you know see each other again and and hear more about all the happy animals and the happy animal interpretations uh, that you have at the zoo. Thanks so much. Thanks so much Sabrina. Already again the end of a podcast and as we discussed in the podcast you know that well-being for both you in this job and of course the animals that we all care so much about is too important not to get right and at Animal Concepts we help you care for animals and for yourself to be at your best to achieve excellence in animal care and welfare and the pause platform is the first online platform combining human and animal well-being science and practice where you can get the education and tools you need so that you and the animals can flourish. And that word is coming back again. It's such a beautiful word to flourish. And so follow the link in the podcast description to become a POST member today.